Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. That's right, you're in the huddle. I am Vinny Bonsignor. It is brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a Wednesday, and I am live in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. And today was a big day if you're a Raiders fan and a fan of plenty of other teams, but specifically for the Raiders. Uh, Got a chance today to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels, uh, not just at the podium, uh, but off to the side in what they call a little scrum just for the local guys. Uh, and women uh, that that uh, that cover the team, and then also later on today, got a chance to talk to uh, General Manager Dave Ziegler. In fact, that just happened within about the last hour and a half or so. So, got thoughts on what Josh McDaniels said. Got thoughts on what Dave Ziegler said. Great getting to know them finally um, after a month on the job and really just talking to them uh, one time. So that relationship will continue to build. I look forward to that. Uh, and in talking to both of them today, it seems like they are uh, as well. Uh, so uh, interesting today. Interesting day today in Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. Show for uh, you guys lined up. Austin Gale, our good friend from Pro Football Focus, uh, will be in at 4:30 uh, to talk about uh, a mock draft that he put together and everything that PFF does. They are out and about. I can tell you that right now. Pro Football Focus is uh, here in Indianapolis. Great running into those guys. It'll be great to talk to Austin Gale. And by the way, breaking news. We got breaking news that happened a few hours ago when we talked to Josh McDaniels, the new Raiders head coach. Devon Cotton, play the breaking news. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I really am excited about this opportunity to work together. Um, I know what he's done, and and I and I know what we might be able to do going forward together. And that's what really excites me. Uh, looking forward to to building that process uh, as we go into April, May, June, July. Uh, and continue to grow together. Uh, it's really an important relationship. The head coach, the quarterback, the play caller, the quarterback. Um, there's got to be a synergy there, and I believe that that we're on our way to doing that. Just to set that up a little bit better, uh, Josh McDaniels was appearing today uh, on NFL Network, and he was asked, is Derek Carr going to be the quarterback in 2022 when you guys start the season? And he said, absolutely, no doubt about it. So there you have it. Derek Carr will be the quarterback of the Raiders. Now, full disclosure, a little bit later on uh, this afternoon, we talked to Dave Ziegler, the general manager, and he said, well, that's the plan. That's the plan as of right now is that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback. Look, I think and believe that that will be the case. I think when the Raiders line up against whoever they play, when the regular season starts, I don't expect to see Derek Carr very much in the preseason uh, but things might change. It's a new uh, regime here with the Raiders. And, um, you know, if you look at the New England Patriots, they've played their starters uh, at times in the preseason. So we'll have to see if that carries over here into Las Vegas. They have kind of gotten away from that uh, with playing their starters, as do some teams. But everyone looks at it a little bit differently. But when the regular season starts in early September, I do expect Derek Carr to be the starting quarterback of the Raiders. And I truly believe he will also have a contract extension in place. I don't think that this is going to be something that goes beyond training camp into the season where Derek Carr is playing the last year of his contract, that five-year contract that he signed 
uh, a few years ago. I don't believe that'll be the case. I think he'll have security. I think the Raiders will have some certainty at quarterback, also some flexibility to continue to build around Derek Carr and the flexibility just in case things don't work out to be able to move on from Derek Carr rather easily um, if, if they decide after the 2022 season it's just not working for whatever reason the Raiders can move on from him and get assets uh, in replace for him if they decide to trade him. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it did. So it makes a lot of sense to get Derek Carr signed to an extension. But I will say this. We had Greg Bedard on the show yesterday. He's covered Boston sports for many years, and covering Boston sports, obviously, means covering the New England Patriots. And part of that has meant covering Josh McDaniels, who is the longtime offensive coordinator with the Patriots, Dave Ziegler, who has been a front office executive uh, with the Patriots. And what did Greg Bedard yesterday remind Raider Nation of? Get used to the words and philosophy of due diligence. Some people talk it. Other people talk it and live by it. I don't think as we sit here on March 2nd, 2022, the Raiders are going to do anything in terms of backing themselves into a corner on anything, and nor should they. I think the plan, as Dave Ziegler said is that Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback. It would be a surprise if he wasn't. That's the plan. But part of having a good plan is always being flexible within the plan. As we sit here on March 2nd, 2022, nothing has happened around the NFL officially. Okay? So... The dominoes that still have to fall, which Dave Ziegler alluded to, hey, some, do- some things have to happen, some dominoes have to fall, for all of this to truly take shape, for directions to be taken, for plans to be executed. All of those dominoes that are in place, finding out what the salary cap is, who wants to stay, who doesn't want to stay. What's the, what, what's the scheme going to be? What are the coaches, when, when the coaches are doing their evaluation right now and the scouts are doing their evaluation, whether it's of the current roster or when the pro personnel uh, people are doing their due diligence on pending free agents or trade targets and the college guys are doing their things as they build the draft. All of those are dominoes that Dave Ziegler is talking about. All of those dominoes have to fall before you truly start executing the plan. Remember, what did Dave Ziegler say today? That's the plan for Derek Carr to be the starting quarterback. That is the plan. But he didn't say, and that's exactly what's going to happen, nor can he, nor can he, or should he. Any good plan, or every good plan, comes with the caveat of flexibility. Because you know what? What is really the ultimate plan for the Raiders? I'll wait for the answer. Three, two, one. Yes, it's to win the Super Bowl. That's the only plan for any team in the National Football League is to win the Super Bowl. And your plan is to build a team 
capable of winning the Super Bowl, capable of getting to the playoffs, capable of winning your division, capable of getting to the playoffs, capable of making a run in the playoffs, capable of getting to the Super Bowl, capable of winning the Super Bowl. That's what the plan always is. And any plan for which the objective is that grand has to account for and include flexibility for evolution and situations. And so you don't back yourself in the corner, especially not right now on March 2nd, 2022. Right before Josh McDaniels came on, Podium 3 here in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Convention Center. I was sitting in on the press conference for Pete Carroll up in Seattle. Former friend, coach at USC, still as vibrant, enthusiastic, passionate, energetic as ever. And he is past the 70-year-old mark. I marvel at that man, and uh, I aspire to be like him at that age. What an incredible force of nature, even as he gets into that part of his life. What did Pete Carroll talk about today? What do you think Pete Carroll talked about today? Of course he talked about Russell Wilson. Of course the, the subject of Russell Wilson had to come up. Russell Wilson much like some other prominent quarterbacks in the NFL. If you go back to last year especially, what was going on with Russell Wilson? Is he or isn't he coming back to Seattle? Does he or does he not want to play with the Seahawks? Does he or does he not want to play for somebody else in the NFL? Chicago Bears. The Raiders were mentioned last year. The Saints. Well, that conversation hasn't completely gone away. There is still speculation as of right now is Russell Wilson going to be the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks next year? And what was Pete Carroll asked? Well, he was asked about Russell Wilson. Have there been any conversations? Have teams approached you about Russell Wilson? And what did Pete Carroll say? Hey, at this time of year, conversations are happening about everybody. Memo to the world the Seahawks, like the Raiders, and the Patriots, and the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. What did we just talk about? The goal is to win the Super Bowl. And the goal is to build a team that wins the Super Bowl. If you're not listening to every conversation, outlandish as some may be, if you're not open to any possibility, outlandish as some might be, you're not doing yourself, your team, your franchise, your organization, your fans. You're not doing right by them. You're not doing everything you possibly can, leaving no stone unturned in the pursuit of getting from point A to the top of the mountain, which is where everybody wants to be. So when Pete Carroll was asked about, hey, are there conversations about Russell Wilson, there's conversations going on about everybody. You have to listen. You have to talk about it. You have to at least be open to it. Doesn't mean you have to do anything about it. Doesn't mean you have to trade Russell Wilson. But if the right offer comes along, you're not doing yourself the truest of services if you aren't open to it, to at least listening to it. And, and being... Maybe even persuaded 
into actually following through on it. Now, Pete Carroll followed that up by, there's no intention here to do anything along those lines, i.e. a trade of Russell Wilson. But you're damn right, conversations are happening and have happened and probably will happen. Because that's what happens this time of year. And that's what great organizations are always at least open to doing. So, getting back to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, yes, the plan is for Derek Carr to be the quarterback of the Raiders in 2022. I predict that will happen. And I think it will be happen with a fresh new contract under his belt. But what would happen if those dominoes that Dave Ziegler is talking about fell a certain way? What if quarterback A, an MVP candidate, maybe the reigning MVP, wants to get out of town in his current situation? And oh, by the way, Boy, I kind of like what's going on with the Raiders. Would love to hear from them. Would love to at least talk about the possibility of playing with them. What if that were to happen? Now, if you were sitting here and you're Dave Ziegler and saying, absolutely 1,000%, there's no question about it, Derek Carr will be our quarterback in 2022, and I'm not even going to budge from that ever. If you were to say something like that, which he didn't, by the way, now you've just backed yourself into a corner and verbally convinced yourself well that's it we're not gonna entertain anything else other than that idea i don't think that's a healthy way to conduct business me if i'm dave ziegler i say exactly what he said yeah the plan is for Derek carr to start the quarterback quarterback but so you know so some things have to happen there's some dominoes who let's just see what happens in these next couple of weeks because a lot can happen there's a lot of volatility when it comes to player movement, quarterbacks, what intentions are, there's a lot of uncertainty right now at the most important position relative to the NFL quarterback. And if you're the Raiders, you love what you have right now in Derek Carr a lot. And the plan is to march forward with him. But this is professional sports, and the goal is to win the Super Bowl. And if a more attractive option makes itself available, you have to be open to that. And until those roads are completely closed off to the Raiders, always expect them to be, that's the plan, comma, but let's just wait and see how it all plays out. Ryan is in Missouri. How you doing, Ryan? Good evening, Nation. Uh, I'm not choosing violence tonight, Vinny. I just want your opinions on three questions that pertain to Max Crosby's role in our 4-3 scheme. Before I get to that, uh, I'm very excited about the leadership of Josh McDaniels because if your play is bad or you cannot do what is expected, you will be on the bench or gone from this team. Now, Vinny, do you want these questions one at a time or all at once? Let's try one at a time. Okay. Patrick Graham has said he will use players according to their skill set, which is vague coach speak. So I'm looking for specific opinions right now if you can do that for me. The first question is, do you think Max is a well-rounded 
four-down outside linebacker in a 3-4 scheme. You're saying upright, no hand in the ground, outside linebacker rushing from that vantage point. Correct. I don't. I've never seen him do it, so I can't see. I can't sit here and say yes. I can see him um, being great at that uh, at that position. Right now, what I do know, what I do know right now, is that Max Crosby is coming off a Pro Bowl season as a traditional hand in the ground. Rush and playing the six and nine technique, whether it's wide of the tackle or wider uh, in the nine technique of whoever you line up there, even a tight end, uh, if he's an inline tight end, uh, and, and rushing from that vantage point off the ground with his hand in the ground. I know Max Crosby can do that. Can he be the the player that that you just described? I don't know. I can't sit here and say that that's uh, that that he can. Second question. If Max is incapable of playing four downs on our defense, does it make sense to re-sign Max, whom will be playing sparingly off the bench? Well, okay, you're the way you're asking it is um, it, it almost seems like you're uh, convinced that they're going to play a traditional three-four four downs out of the uh, or, or or the majority downs. I don't know that to be the case, and if they are. Um, obviously his position changed. His, his whole world changes if they are dead set uh, on playing a traditional 3-4 defense because that, that would mean that he'd have to play upright. And I don't know if he can do that. Uh, but it sounds like talking to uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, uh, and they've reiterated what Patrick Graham um, you know, uh, told Max Crosby uh, when he, when he uh, gave Max, Max Crosby a call, don't get caught up in the base defense, 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three. Uh, 80% of the time, you're in your sub-packages anyway. So um, whatever you line up with or say that you are, you're pretty much out of that by second and eight or second and seven when teams you know, traditionally try to look to maybe throw the ball a little bit to match up. So um, I, We have a clip from McDaniels today that would answer that question. Okay, there you go. Let's, go, let's, uh, let's hear what Josh McDaniels had to say. I don't think so. I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot. Um, you know, anymore in today's NFL, 80 to 85% of your defense is in nickel or dime, you know. And, and so, you know, the, the concept of being a 4-3 or 3-4 is kind of almost, you know, it's kind of almost out of the window now. Um, you know, what we want to do is we want to try to be able to play to the strengths of the players that are on our roster. Um, we know we have some really good players that played in a four-man line uh, last year. Um, you know, we're going to try to uh, accentuate their strengths. Um, you know, and, and at the same time, we want to be multiple enough to be able to change some things from week to week if we need to or feel like we have to to try to uh, give us the best chance to stop the opponent. So, um, you know, there'll be a level of, of multiplicity that hopefully we can uh, grow and graduate to. Uh, but... The biggest thing for us is try to make our players successful by putting them in great positions. That's Josh McDaniels talking about not getting caught up so much in three four four three, um, especially nowadays where you know so many teams have to match up against offenses situationally. So you're in your um, you know uh, nickel or dime look, which obviously means an extra or, or two extra defensive backs. 
uh, taking a linebacker off the field, rushing with four uh, players, um, whether they're down linemen or however you're going to construct it. And I'll, I'll say this um, about Ma- uh, Max Crosby. When I look at Max Crosby, um, you know, and this gets to, to, to Ryan's point. Thanks for the call. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Um, I see an athlete. I see a football player. And so when we spoke to Max Crosby a few weeks ago over at the Pro Bowl, and he talked about, hey, man, ever since I've been playing football, going all the way back to high school, I've been a traditional, you know, DE 6-9 technique. And that's great. And um, that's his comfort zone. Obviously, it's what he's played. And I might add, he's coming off a really good season playing that. Like, he's he's grown and matured into not just a, 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 a good uh, rush end, but a pretty darn good rush end. And that's great. And he has that. And everybody knows that he has that going for him. But if I'm Max Crosby, these can kind of be exciting times. Because going back to what I just said, I see a football player, man. I see an athlete. And I see somebody that might just be kind of scratching the surface in what he's capable of doing and how he's capable of being utilized. We've seen him one way, and he's played very well in that one way. But I'm curious to see, and Josh McDaniels just kind of touched on it, being versatile, being uh, flexible, uh, matching up, playing matchup football from sometimes week to week, depending on what the opponent is. If I'm Max Crosby and Patrick Graham sits me down and says, look, man, I'm not saying this is what we're going to do, but we would like to give it a shot in um, you know, OTAs and, and, and during that phase, minicamp, let's just, let's just cross-train you a little bit as a, as a, um, you know, a standing up rush outside linebacker. Not, not just rushing uh, the quarterback from that position, but I actually think from time to time, a guy like Max Crosby, as long and lean as he is and as athletic as he is, he could drop back sometimes uh, in zone pass coverage and create a little bit of havoc that way. Um, getting those long uh, arms up, you know, and, and, and jumping in and just being like a zone um, eater type of a guy uh, that's going to take away an area of field because, I mean, he can move laterally. He can jump. He's a great athlete. I watch that dude in practice all the time um, in the individuals, and he just explodes um, off the line. Whatever he's doing, he does it at a high athletic level. So I, we've seen so many players over the years who have been able to make that transition going from just strictly put your hand on the ground and rush the passer to moving them up right um, and, and, and utilizing them that way and adding to their arsenal that way as well. That if I'm Max Crosby, it's only going to help you as a football player and it's probably gonna, and it will help the team if you can execute it to be somebody that becomes a weapon. And one thing about Bill Belichick and his disciples and their coaching staff, they're going to find things that you can do well and utilize it. And that's only going to help you. Like you may not have thought about it. And I've talked to players that I never even thought about playing that way. But when my coach said, you can do it and gave me the confidence to do it. And I did it a whole new world opened up. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Wednesday live at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. 
we're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend from Pro Football Focus. Uh, always does a, a great job and is here in Indianapolis. We're talking about Austin Gale. You can follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. And first, before we get to uh, your mock draft, uh, Mr. Gale, how are you surviving uh, Indianapolis uh, so far? It's it's interesting, especially now as we get out of COVID and uh, we're able to get out a little bit more. I saw some bleary-eyed people uh, this morning. I'm just going to say some of them were very close <laughs> colleagues of mine who were burning the midnight oil. I'm not going to accuse you or praise you for either way you want to look at it uh, for doing that, but I would imagine you guys are having a little bit of fun. How, how has the fun level been so far in addition to the work that we're doing? I mean, it's just phenomenal. I had a lot of fun last night. Excited to be back in Indianapolis. Excited to see all these faces that we you know, really get a chance to see only one type of year, right? A lot of people in the NFL, a lot of agents, a lot of media personalities that all make their way out for, to Indianapolis for the combine. It has been a lot of late nights, but uh, well worth it. Absolutely, and when we and when we when we talk about late nights, as Austin just said, we are working. We're networking. We're we're gathering information. Truly, we are, in, in, in addition to the shots of tequila and everything else that we're doing. But uh, that, that's a story for another day. Austin Gale, you recently put out a two-round mock draft. It is mock draft season. We all love it. We all do it. The fans eat it up. And for an hour or two, they get to celebrate or throw their phone or whatever it is up against the wall, depending on who's putting what player uh, to their team in what round. But... I have to say, looking at yours, your most recent uh, mock draft, um, and if, if Raider Nation, and I know they're listening right now, if they've seen it, they probably would be pretty happy with how their first two rounds uh, went in your eyes. And I'm just going to throw the first round pick, number 22, out at you and them. Uh, you have Traylon Burks uh, from Arkansas, wide receiver, going to the Raiders. We all know that they, they need a wide receiver after everything that happened last year. Talk to us about Traylon Burks and why he fits with the Raiders at pick number 22. Yeah, I think there is a very good chance that obviously Traylon Burks might not be available to the Las Vegas Raiders at 22. He's going to test well, specifically in a straight line. I think people feel good about his 40 time, his 10 yard split, broad jump, vertical jump, but there could be some concerns with his three cone, his short jump that maybe drops some people, him down some teams' boards. I do like how he was used at Arkansas. A lot of schemes, touches, a lot of you know, routes from the slot in his career. He's running 75% of his routes from the slot in his career. Arkansas now is that Raiders need, and a lot of people want them to have this alpha wide receiver one, a guy you can funnel 10, 15 targets a game on the outside. Maybe not, but I do think at 22, say guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London are off the board, investing in a big body, six foot three, 225 receiver that can win after the catch, can win on these game touches. I do think it's a nice compliment to what they already have. Darren Wong winning over the middle of the field, Connor Renfro winning over the middle of the field. Let's get a guy that if you funnel in targets on the screen game, underneath crossers that can actually win after the catch, break tackles after the catch. That's what I see Traylon Burks at. Well, I think Raider Nation is probably uh, quite sold uh, on, on that pick. Uh, and today was wide receiver day. Um, and we know, uh, based on past history, recent past history, wide receivers are, have become a really hot commodity uh, in the NFL draft, especially early uh, and in the first round. And as we've seen, Austin, guys are able to step in and make an, make an impact, like day one, like big impacts. We've seen that the last few years. Um, somebody like Traylon Burks, is he capable 
of well, I'm not going to put Justin Jefferson out there or Jamar Chase. That's just elite company. But is he is he capable? Do you think of stepping right in and, and being a factor? Absolutely, I think all receivers can step right in and be factor. I don't think there is a Jamar Chase in this class, right? I don't think there's even a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle in this class. I don't love the high end for a lot of these guys. Like Drake London is my wide receiver one. I still would not rank him ahead of. You know, Jamar Chase, probably not ahead of Jalen Waddle either. With Traylon Burks, he can really come in and play the role he played at Arkansas. Now, there are going to be teams that want him to play a different role in the NFL, play more on the outside, play an X or a Z, you know, a Z receiver position in the NFL. I think right away you can immediately put him in the slot as this bigger slot receiver that gets touches near and you know, near and behind the line of scrimmage and wins after the catch. If you ask him, in my opinion, to play the Z or play the X too early and run you know, a diverse route tree. He simply didn't run on the outside of Arkansas. It could be a slower developmental curve. Could he be that in the future? Sure. But if you want him to win right away, I think playing him in the slot and giving him those touches is obviously the move. All right, Austin. If and it was wide receiver day, so we got a chance to talk to uh, all the all the top guys. Uh, that was really cool. I love that. Uh, I, I love that uh, position group. If Burks isn't there. Um, Give me some other names of some guys that the Raiders may consider uh, at at 22 at that position. So I do think, yeah, so I do think that, you know, Chris Olave is another one that could be available at 22. He's a very smooth moving route runner, not the dynamic guy after the catch that others are. I compare him very similar to Calvin Ridley. Ridley is a guy that wins down the football field, but isn't this after the catch that's breaking a ton of tackles and gaining yards after contact. He's a guy that, once he creates separation, he's creating at the intermediate deep levels of the field. He's also really fast. I do think he could be a low 4-4s, high 4-3s guy here in Indianapolis. That is something, obviously, the Raiders covet at the position. They need someone that could win down the football field. They're not looking for a guy that you know can play the Hunter Renfro role or the Darren Waller role in their offense. They need a field structure, a guy that wins down the football field that they can funnel to above you know a guy like Zay Jones and obviously replace the role that Rubs left. All right, Austin Gal, since Raider Nation is convinced that uh, one of Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin will be on their roster next year, there's not going to be any need at wide receiver at 22. Um, they're convinced of it. And so I'll roll in that direction. They don't need a wide receiver come uh, um, you know uh, first round when pick number 22 uh, comes around. Where do they pivot if they're not going to focus on wide receiver at that spot? I think there's opportunity for offensive tackle, right? I think they want to bring in someone that can play right tackle opposite of Colt Miller. If they're you know committing to Alex Leatherwood as a guard as he continues to move forward, now there's still opportunity for him to develop as that right tackle that they maybe drafted him to be. I think other positions that fit into what could be available there is cornerback, right? I think if that's a position in the NFL where you can never have enough talented cornerbacks, guys like Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson, Kyrie Elam of Florida. That's where I start to look as well in this draft class. I don't think I think it's a good cornerback group. It's a good receiver group. It's a good tackle class. And then I probably look at edge. Like if George Karloftis is there, and I know they have a ton of talent there, Unique Gakway, Max Crosby, but it's another one of those positions where you can't have enough pass rushers and having a guy like Karloftis with Inside, outside versatility. He's, you know, a true 275 pounder. The guy playing the inside, if you want to kick him inside on passing downs, in my opinion, there's a lot of value in that. Like draft, for me, it's not about need in the first round of the NFL draft. What it's about is drafting for value. That's high value positions, like corner, receiver, tackle, edge. Now, the first round, let's say, 
an off-ball linebacker, a running back, a box safety. You're just not maximizing the return you can on a first-round pick. So I don't think I have to tell Raiders fans that. Yeah, no question about it. All right, I'm going to stay. One more question in the first round, Austin Gell. Uh, chances, likelihood, or uh, interest level in the Raiders perhaps playing the trade-down game from pick number 22? So I, I do think that there is some opportunity in this draft class to trade down. I think a lot of people view it the same way. However, a lot of GMs would tell you the difference between player 20 and player 50 on our board is as thin as it's been in you know, recent years. Now, that, that for that, in my opinion, there's not going to be a lot of teams eager to trade up. Even with you know these quarterbacks likely to fall towards the back end of the first round, I don't think any teams are going to be mortgaging a ton of draft capital to move up in this class. There are some. Obviously, like blue-chip level talents at the top, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, like they Evan Neal, Ike Kwanu. There's some tackles up there, some guys up there that maybe came to move up for. But honestly, I think we'll see some of the you know, fewer amount of trades in this draft because so, you know, so few teams willing to move up, knowing just like the lack, you know, the lack of you know, so much volatility in this class. When you say that um, you know, there's, there's similarities between pick 23, let's say, and 50, are we saying that in a positive way? Because it could also be construed as negative. Like, well, you know, there's there's probably about, you know, 20, 20 good players in this draft. And after that, it's kind of a, eh, you know, uh, draft beyond that. Or is it just a deep draft where number 50 in another year might have been able to go in the first round? So I think it's, 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 it's somewhat lazy to say it's just not a good draft. I just don't think they have an obvious, obvious QB1, and the receiver class isn't as sexy as it has been in previous years. And those are two of the bigger positions that everyone covers every year. But edge, it's a very good edge class. I think it's a very good cornerback class, a good safety class. Tackle, there's a lot of talent specifically at the top. I think the first five tackles off the board all have potential of being legit NFL players. I think it's the lack of quarterback talent and the lack of a true wide receiver one alpha talent in this class, when you compare it specifically to last year, right? You have five quarterbacks going the first round, five of which that people were rumored to go in the top 10. Jamar Chase goes top five. Like there were a lot of pass catchers and a lot of quarterbacks that went high in the previous year, which in perspective to this year's draft just makes that a little bit more boring. I wouldn't say bad, right? I wouldn't say lacking talent, just more boring maybe from a coverage perspective. We're talking to Austin Gale uh, from Pro Football Focus. I always say this. Uh pluck down the 35 bucks or whatever it is uh, right around that area and get pro football focus uh, on a monthly basis. It is uh, a tremendous asset. I use it every day. Uh, and so uh, do yourself a favor. If you're a football fan, uh, go check out pro football focus. All right. Second round 50 pick number 54. Uh, Austin Yale, you have Kristen Harris, the great linebacker from Alabama going to the Raiders. Talk a little bit about Mr. Harris and how he would fit in a Patrick Graham defense. So I do feel that with Harris, he might not be everyone's cup of tea. He hasn't played a lot of like high-end linebacker in that Alabama defense. I think a lot of people were banking on a high-profile recruit like Harris developing further in that Alabama defense. But you know, you're drafting him for what he could be, and I think the you know the talent level in, in the Raiders linebacking core has been lacking for for a long time, right? They're looking for talent at that position. They're looking for athletes at that position. And Patrick Graham's defense, that's what you have to chase. You have to chase athletes at off-ball linebacker. And I think Harris could be that. Maybe he's not a day-one starter. Maybe it's someone you develop at that position. But, again, you chase these high-end traits at that position in today's NFL. And it that, that is what, what Harris ultimately has. What was the issue, do you think, uh, at Alabama that, uh, you know, a, a big-time recruit like that didn't quite reach the ceiling that – some people uh, had predicted for him. So I think a lot of that is just like 
how much talent there is there at Alabama, right? I do think that they were funneling him in in different places, but it's also one where I haven't had an opportunity to talk to Christian Harris. I want to talk to him more about there. Maybe it's injury concerns. Maybe he's banged up in different areas. I think that's where more like having these conversations, right? That's why Indianapolis and why the combine is so important. Having these conversations and asking why, you know, a player that maybe had a bigger ceiling, you know, when he was originally recruited to Alabama didn't meet that expectation. We're talking to Austin Gell from Pro Football Focus. Um, all right, you mentioned the quarterback uh, market. It isn't the sexy quarterback market that we've seen, uh, and there's been some some uh, darn lookers <laughs> these last few years with the Justin Herberts uh, and Joe Burrows, um, you know, that, that have come out and just really uh, lit it up. Um, but there are quarterbacks and some intriguing possibilities uh, at that position this year, and who knows what we're going to – uh, how we're going to look at it five years from now. Maybe we were all wrong uh, in that regard. But um, was impressed with Malik Willis today and what I've seen of him, uh, whether it was a senior bowl or just a some tape. Uh, and there, there are some other, you know, intriguing guys. Who who piques your interest at that position as somebody that maybe we're overlooking or maybe it's going to take a little bit of a time, but you would not be surprised five years from now uh, if they were really a good quarterback of the NFL. Yeah, I think the talk of Indianapolis is Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback who is six foot two twenty, an athletic player, should run. He's not testing at the combine, plans to test at the pro day, but should be a mid four five, if not low four five type of quarterback, which is at two hundred twenty pounds, that's a legitimate rushing threat in the NFL. I think a lot of teams like Malik Willis, what he can be, consistently mocked inside the top ten, inside the top fifteen. Washington Commanders, a potential landing spot. Carolina even at six a potential landing spot. And then he's also been mocked all the way down to 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is going to go high in this draft because people think they could turn Malik Willis into the quarterback he can be. Now, that could take one, two years in the NFL. He might not even play right away, even if he is drafted in the top 10 or top 15. But if you find the right offense for him and give him some consistency, right, it's a kid that transferred from Auburn to Liberty and then played in two different offenses with two different offensive coordinators, there at Liberty. There's been a lot of dysfunction in his developmental arc. I think there's opportunity for consistency for him in a good offense with a good offensive line where you can start to see what Malik Willis could be, which in all said and done, could be the best quarterback in this draft. Austin Gal, we always appreciate the insight and enlightenment. Thank you very, very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week in Indianapolis, and we'll catch up with you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. You got it. That was Austin Gale from Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at PFF underscore Austin Gale. He always does a great job. They always do a good job. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM live from Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Playing as many games as he did as a rookie, um, there's good and there's bad. Uh, but when you're that young, uh, you look at it as what, what, can we, what, what can we work with, what can we fix. Uh, there's a lot to do uh, in that process. Uh, I've already spoken to him. Um, that process is underway. And I think what we'll end up doing is whatever's best for the Raiders, you know, he's shown the ability that to play, you know, in both spots, um, you know, more guard last year than tackle. But um, we see him being a contributor. Uh, we see him being a guy that we're really excited to work with. Uh, we're going to try to get the most. 
That's Josh McDaniels today from the scouting combine in Indianapolis talking about Raiders' second-year offensive lineman going into his second year, uh, Alex Leatherwood. Obviously drafted in the first round last year to play right tackle. Um, you know, I know that it raised some eyebrows when he got drafted. I remember on draft night, Mike Mayock, I think one of the first things that he that he mentioned was, yeah, we knew this was going to be a controversial pick. We knew that people were going to be talking about it uh, over on uh, NFL Network and ESPN. Um, we get it. We understand it. But we made the pick anyway. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, when, when, when that's the first thing that you're talking about coming out of your first round pick, that, yeah, we knew that this was going to raise some eyebrows. Well, it's probably because it raised some eyebrows. Not a lot of people have Alex Leatherwood going that high in the draft. Now, I've talked subsequently to people in the NFL who felt like uh, from their intelligence, their data that they were uh, getting intel that they were uh, accumulating, that he was um, anywhere from toward the end of the first round to early in the second round. So one way or another, um, Alex Leatherwood was, you know, a day one, day two pick. Uh, and, and, and probably on most boards, I would imagine, a second-round pick. Uh, the Raiders opted to pick him in the first round. It is what it is. That's what happened. And we all saw it play out last year. He started at right tackle. But um, when Denzel Good went down at right guard and also Richie Incognito before that at left guard, it just really gutted the interior of the Raiders' offensive line. And so they just could never quite recover uh, and especially early on in that season with Alex struggling at right tackle, not unusual. Um, you know, every so often offensive linemen come in as rookies uh, and, and dominate or are just playing at a high level. But more often than not, it takes a little time for offensive linemen to get it. We always mention, um, you know, uh, Miller, uh, Colton Miller, who the Raiders took in the first round in 2018. And he struggled his first year. I know injuries were a part of it, but the fact of the matter is, one way or another, whatever whatever the reason was for it, he struggled his first year. Now look at him. He's one of the better left tackles in the NFL. I'm not saying that that's going to happen with uh, Alex Leatherwood, but I have been preaching from day one to day two to right now, you don't give up on Alex Leatherwood by any stretch of the imagination. There's too much history of guys who turn a corner, who get better, who settle in. Um, and when I look at Alex Leatherwood, I see a guy that is big, strong, athletic, smart, willing, diligent, professional, all of those things, all of the necessary attributes to be good in this league are present with, with Alex Leatherwood. The problem or issue, if you want to call it, was consistency. I thought fundamentally, talking to Lincoln uh, Kennedy, some some fundamentals that need to be cleaned up, and just settling down and avoiding the penalties. When you look at, let's just say, his grade on Pro Football Focus, which was not good at all, but when you look at his bad games grade-wise, so many of them also included multiple penalties, which drags down the grade, the overall grade. That gets put into the equation. And if he can eliminate that part of his game, that, that would be just a great starting point for him, is eliminating the silly mistakes, 
The holding penalties, that's going to happen from time to time, although uh, he needs to get coached up and he needs to listen up in terms of the right way and the wrong way to do what you got to do as an offensive lineman because, trust you, me, there, there's holding going on all the time. We see it all the time. But there's blatant holds and there's skillful holds. And the blatant holds get called. The skillful ones usually fly under the radar and you're good to go. So he needs to get more skillful in that regard. The offsides penalties, the anxiousness, the you know uh, uh, jumping the gun, that needs to be squashed like right now. You can't have that at this level. It's going to happen every once in a while. But there were stretches there where it was just happening way too much. And on top of that, Obviously, there's no good time to commit a penalty, but there's certain times that are worse than others. And in Alex Leatherwood's case, man, oh man, did some of those were some of those penalties ill-timed. They took third and shorts to third and longs. They took they uh, eliminated first downs made. They once, at least once, maybe even twice, took a fourth and inches to fourth and six and changed everything. So. The timeliness of those penalties, the costliness of those penalties, it all added up and it all really hurt his overall grade, if you want to put a grade on it, and performance. We all saw it. So he comes into year two now. He still has the size, the intellect. He still has the drive, the professionalism, the strength, uh, the agility, the speed uh, for that position. He still has all of those attributes. And if you watch the film, even talking to, to you know Josh McDaniels today and also Dave Ziegler, because I, I did talk to uh, Ziegler about um, about Alex Leatherwood. If you look at if you look at the film, yes, you're gonna see some bad, but I defy you, I defy you, if you watch Alex Leatherwood on a play-by-play basis. I defy you to tell me you don't see some good because I can remember times of good where he was just eating dudes up and pushing them around like the bully that he's capable of being at that position. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more, though, about what the plan is for him. We know that there's skill. We know that there's ability. We know that there's some fundamental issues. We know that there were some penalty issues last year. The question now is, where is his long range with the Raiders? And by long range, let's just talk about 2022. And how do you get him from point A to point B and then C and D and so on and so forth? You're in the huddle with Uni Bonsier, brought to you by Tequila and Bonsier. Raider Nation Radio 9 a.m. on a Wednesday live from the Scouting Point uh, Combine in Indianapolis. <laughs> 